Welcome to the Sense of Soul podcast. We are your hosts, Shannon and Mandy. Grab your coffee, open your mind, heart, and soul. It's time to awaken. Hey friends, if you are looking for ad-free Sense of Soul episodes, you can find them at Sense of Soul Patreon. Become a monthly member at any level. You will also have access to our monthly SOS Sacred Circles, our mini-series, merch, and much more. And it's a great way to help support our podcast so that we can continue to bring you inspiring episodes twice a week with our enlightened guests from all around the world. Check out our Patreon. Today we have with us Sherry Sterling Fernandez. She is the author of the best-selling book, Life Mastery, Personal Progression Towards an Infinite Potential. Sherry has been a student of personal development for over 40 years, and what makes her program unique is that she practiced and refined the life mastery principles taught for decades before deciding to share with others. And today she's joining us to share how we can work towards our infinite potential. Welcome, Sherry. It's so nice to meet you. You too. How are you? I'm good. Where are you at? We're in Idaho. So where are you at? Colorado. Colorado. Oh, yeah. I'm originally from New Orleans, but I've lived here most of my life. But I just I, I just see myself one day, like maybe if, even if it's my 80s, because I have children, so I don't know if I'd want to leave them, but just living in the French Quarter. Yeah, like, nice. Kind of like what I see in my life, actually. So maybe you can help me get there because <laughs> <laughs> I probably know? could help you do that. That's that's I kind know. of my specialty. You know, one of the things being from a southern family, like you just raised your kids and stayed home, and you would have asked me, Shanna, what are you good? Actually, someone did ask me that probably about ten years or so ago. A therapist said, "What are you good at, Shanna?" And I was like, "I guess I'm a good mom," and that's just kind of <laughs> all I had. Yeah, it's been the journey of exploring this. You know, I'm not just a mother. Well, you know, Shannon, I'm this is my expertise, right? And I help people build big dreams and things. But I raised six kids. The thing that being a mother is still, you won't do anything better than that. You know, we're always like, well, yeah, but what else? Yeah, but what else really matters? <laughs> I mean, this new go yeah. do other things for sure. Wow. Oh, for but sure. Just, but they oh, end up being my greatest teachers. Right. My children. Oh, right. You can't yeah. learn, you can't get more personal development than being a mother and the opportunities for personal growth. Um, if you're not uh, chained to a full-time job, it's more difficult, but the opportunities for personal growth, if you're raising children, I couldn't do what I do today if it wasn't been, hadn't been for all the things I learned and the opportunities I had to do it my own way when yeah. I had children, so. Yeah, oh, I love that you said that. Six children? Yeah. And you know, people say, well, yeah, back in the day, but I'm going to tell you back in that day, that was the now generation. Was it member the National Organization for Women and they were militant raising kids or staying home with kids? There was a lot of, there was more pushback then than there is now. Now we're a little more like, just do your own thing. Mm -hmm. But back then it was really kind of like somehow we were not being true to womanhood if we were yeah. staying home with children. It was a bit of a fight. My mom was totally traditional. She stayed home with us. She never worked. Which is good too. You know, so fortunately we can have it all. And the other thing, how old are you, Shannon? I'll be 47 in May. Oh, you're the same age as our oldest daughter. I raised kids for a really long time, but I've reinvented myself a number of times since then. You have, there's so many lives that you can still have. Mm -hmm. I've owned a business. My husband, I own several businesses. And one, I, I ran a, a fitness business for nine years. 
I've done a lot of things and then wrote the book, you know, <laughs> I've been able to do so many things. So, you know, you can, you can have it all. That's how I got into this is I just figured you can have it all. And I was going to figure out how to do that. And I did. And I do. What was your childhood like, or what was your role models like? <laughs> I had the kind of upbringing where you say, I do not want the marriage or any of the marriages my parents had. And I don't want to be the kind of mother my mother was. So that was the kind of upbringing I had. We were, my parents were divorced when I was little and they each married somebody else. And then they divorced them and married each other. And then they got divorced mm. each other and married other. Yeah, it was like that. I graduated at 17 and then I just sort of hit the road and was in this, it was a hippie era. And it was, you know, sex, drugs, rock and roll, all that kind of stuff. When I got married, I decided I wanted, I just Ken and I both just partied away our years between high school and then again, I graduated a little bit early. So between high school and uh, the time we got married and then we get married and I've already got one child. And we were always, I always had to quit drinking because I had a little bit of drinking problem. I quit drinking when we got married or right after. And um, then we went to town on ourselves. We decided, okay, we got to make up for lost time. And I decided all the things that I wanted in life. And we had another baby not too long after married, about a year, a little over a year after we got married. But I thought, if I'm going to have these babies, I want to do that and still be able to have a great body. I think I can have it all. Uh -huh. And I missed education, formal education. And I'd been a debater in high school. I mean, I'm a, I got a pretty good IQ uh, and good mind. And I like education, but I missed it, right? So, But I wanted it. And not formal necessarily. I just wanted to know things. Yeah. And I wanted a spiritual life. I just, and I wanted enough money. We were so, so poor. Like people about being young, married, poor people, but we were way below. We were so in such bad shape. Uh, and I wanted enough money that I, that I had free, any freedom. I never had to think about money to do mm -hmm. anything I wanted to do. I wanted that. So I wanted a lot of things. And I figured if anybody could do it, I could do it. And so I went to, but I just had to find out how. Ken, we didn't, I don't think we realized this until after we were married, but he really felt the same. Like once we settled down, we realized we both felt like we were really destined for something great. We just had to figure out how to make that happen. And we did. We just started reading and reading the motivators and the yeah. people that taught how to set your goals, mostly motivators. Ken had a goal when he was younger and then it resurfaced after we got married to be a millionaire by the time he was 40. So we were really way behind. <laughs> we way, way. <laughs> I, was, I just like made a picture about how poor we were, but I don't think we knew how poor we were. We were just <laughs> so dumb. We were a little bit behind, but we did make that goal pretty close. I think he was 41 and we valued, valued our assets and we were uh, at a million dollars because we had applied. I was, we were both learning and principles for personal development and we were applying and we're still having kids too right so we're having yeah right we're, we're having these kids and as fast as we can still do it and have the kids and make life work we were learning and growing and there goes and, money. Got up. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and now it's you know all those when things I, mean, kids. <laughs> I, I still i have all those things even more than i wanted like i'm 67 i still look really good in a bikini and all right. i am um, and we have all the money you know i don't have to worry about money uh, at all and my family and also the thing about marriage too after those bad marriages I got married mostly because I want stability for my daughter uh -huh. and I thought marriage is just one of those torturous things you just have to do in life you know and then but I thought I'm gonna do and have the best marriage ever and we uh -huh. certainly do I don't see uh -huh. any marriages we have the most just lovely passionate warm close relationship um, and Kim oh, would tell you the same thing just so you know <laughs> it's not just me uh, uh -huh. we tell you the same thing we have a very sexy romantic wonderful marriage and 
So anyway, I, I did get all those things. It takes time. But wow. I, I believe anybody can have those things if they want it and they believe they can have it. Mm-hmm. And then they apply the right principles. You have to apply the right principles. You can't just, I said, this one gal that I now said, I think it was on Facebook, actually. She said, I'm visualizing. She believes in this visualization, which I, I do too, to a point. But she said, I sit on my couch every day and visualize money dropping into my lap. I thought, oh, good luck. Good luck. <laughs> good luck with that. But you can, you know, if you can have a vision for yourself and then move towards it, you really can do just about anything that you want to do. You know, I don't know how far your kids are having six. There's probably a lot of years. My oldest and youngest are 15 years apart. I'm a totally different mother. So I relate to what you were saying, how, you know, you've kind of mm-hmm. been several different versions of yourself over the years. When I look back and see what I was trying to be some version of like a good mom and a wife and all these things or, or what I was actually modeled as well. But, you know, I didn't fit in the boxes. You know, and I think that, you know, nobody really fits in. Yeah, I just said nobody fits in the boxes. We, we no. always think, oh, they're the perfect this or that. And, other, and everybody thinks, I'm going to say this, I'm going to say a contradictory thing too in a few minutes, but everybody thinks they're on the outside too looking in. This is interesting that they think everybody is in this group and I'm the one, the odd one out at church yeah. or in their whatever yeah. they do, you know. And it's so interesting that everybody feels that way. Now, the thing I would say it's contrary to that is I worked hard to be the person that was on the outside. <laughs> as far as I was going to do it my way, you know, like the song. Mm-hmm. I think not having role models and not having any mentors, we moved. I went to like, I think it was 13 schools before I settled into my junior high and high school years. Wow. So I didn't have any mentors and I was a thinker. So I just thought, what's the way to do this? And I just mm-hmm. did things my own way, which has served me really well. But it also serves my clients and the people who read my book because because I didn't have to be locked into another way of thinking. Okay, so you didn't have any role models as for like, you know, what a good maybe, you know, household maybe look like or whatever. However, you did mention that you were maybe studying and reading, you know, Mm -hmm. other people who were yeah uh, putting out there some good stuff on self-help or or who who were these um teachers yeah that, that's really a good point Shannon I that I should that felt like I was really ungrateful to not say that there was nobody at the crossroads for me and I was a, a little child in a in a um precarious situation because my mom divorced my mom had remarried yeah. an alcoholic there's all the stereotypes that go with that and I was eight years oldish like around that so there wasn't really a person there for me and my parents loved, they loved us. There was five of us. They loved us. I was the oldest, but they didn't, they weren't present. If you know what I mean? They were, they mm-hmm. loved us and we were, we were our basic needs cared for, but there was no, <laughs> I don't interaction yeah, I know. to speak of, you know, very much, very little of that. Um, but those mentors, like uh, the first book I picked up, picked up off my mother's coffee table and figured she was going to read it anyway, was Zig Ziglar, See at the Top. And actually, I read one in high school because I always had an interest in what makes the world tick and how does things, how do things work. I read, I'm okay, you're okay in high school. So that was kind of, but that was a different era. So I did that one. And um, so Zig Ziglar, Wayne Dyer was extremely important to me. And I really, a lot of my thinking was influenced by him. Totally mm-hmm. huge fan. I didn't find him until a little bit later. I don't know where he was. I couldn't find him sooner. But Jim Rohn, I would have gone anywhere to listen to him speak. But by the time I found him, he was. I mean, he died somewhere around the time I discovered him. Jim Rohn, huge influencer on the way I speak and teach. Brian Tracy, Hiram Smith, 
and then lots of people. And Earl Nightingale has a great recording called The Strangest Secret. Get it on YouTube now, but for years, Ken would give it away to anybody that was all interested. It's a short one. But that had a lot of, Earl Nightingale, that had a lot of influence on me. And they helped me be able to weed out the pretenders, if that makes sense. They wow. were, these were people, they did something mm -hmm. and then they were and successful at it and then they taught it, right? They didn't go out and say, at 19, they're gonna be a life coach and now off I go, right? They were people who went out, were successful in the world and were also honest about where they were not successful. Mm -hmm. You know, in, in the areas that they, that they may feel like they felt, Jim Rohn especially is that way. That's how you reach people though. Cause I, yeah, I've been there. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of wary of the ones that, you know, have it all figured out. <laughs> and the younger they are, the more they have figured out. So oh, I'm not, oh, of course. <laughs> this, this may be unpopular probably, but I'm not a big fan of Tony Robbins. Mm -hmm. And because he just picked up from Jim Rohn and just started teaching people how to live. And he got better at it with time, but his mm -hmm. own life was a mess. If you want to tell people, if you want to be a teacher and a leader of people, if you want to teach people, you got to have lived what you're teaching first, in my opinion. Yeah. Life still is has its ups and downs recently. I mean, I had this little dip over the past few weeks that I was very shocked, you know, that I heard the, those loud voices again. And I'm like, wait, where did you come from? <laughs> and I got sick. So, you know, it was like my immune system was compromised. And I just had to be super honest with myself and dig back into my tools. You know, I, I mean, you have to be able to have a toolbox to be able to do oh, yeah, things. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And have your toolbox, but you're going to find too that the more you do the kind of work that personal development work, you're going to have fewer ups and downs. Especially, mm -hmm. I don't know if you're, I assume you're doing some kind of meditation, but especially meditation work is you can learn more to just, and this long, slow process. Anybody who's making great strides and having marvelous visions when they're doing meditation is not doing the right thing. It's long, hard work, but the more you do it, the things don't get you, right? Yeah, absolutely. You can stay in the moment and then things don't get you. And then part of that's getting older too, but, right. and your kids, I assume, I, I also have 15 years between my oldest and my youngest. You do? Yeah. yeah. So you, yeah we had four and then we had a space and then we had two more. Like my co-host Mandy, she's not podcasting with me anymore. She decided not to return. And it, I had these voices going, you can't do this by yourself. You're going to fail at this. And I cried and I really felt that was true for a minute. I mean, thank God it was just a minute, but I was shocked that it returned in the way that it did. And I got sick. Like I said, like it literally made me physical, like my body reacted to this old pattern that returned that this old Shanna that I hadn't seen in probably a decade. The next day I meditated, I cut cords, I put protection around me. I connected back with my soul. I put, you know, that other Shanna in timeout and, and I returned actually even stronger knowing that I can do it and that that was a lie. Yeah, that that's a super, I, I, just such a, a mortal human experience, isn't it? You can stand back and observe it and be interested in it. And look how I feel like that. It doesn't have to undo you. It sounds mm -hmm. like it sent you down that old, that old rabbit hole that you've been down before. But I'm going to tell you, you'll go through that again. I, I, I'm about, well, first of all, I learned that no, nobody's as competent as they seem. In that, with that respect, I'm probably about as competent as people get. And believe in myself pretty well. But when I wrote the book, when the book came out, uh, Life Mastery, that's my book, Life Mastery. When it came out, I was 
it was in 2021, July. So I turned 66 that year. Yeah, 66 that year. So I'm thinking, you know what the voice was in my head? Hmm. I'm too old to be doing this. Like nobody cares when you're, you know, this is a younger person. They're building careers on their books. That's why people write most of these books. That's why they're so long, by the way. <laughs> they got to save some information for the next book. Uh, I didn't have to do that. But I, I had the voices in my head too. And to just get better at dealing with them. But you get just yeah. new levels. It's just new levels. I do have a book. If you've not come across it, you might like. It's kind of light and easy, but good listening is by John A. Cuff called Soundtracks. Mm-hmm. And I recommend that one to my clients a lot. Those voices in your head. He just yeah. kind of deals with that. Love what you're talking about. It does in a kind of humorous way, but I teach daily written affirmations, daily written affirmations, not like yeah. standing in the mirror and saying, oh gosh, you're great, but things right. you really want to achieve that you write repeatedly over long periods of time. Okay. Well, I added, and you'll appreciate this when you get to that, especially being what you X generation or whatever. I think this is probably your generation, but my life is dope. And I would just be so amused every time <laughs> I would say that. So I got that out of the book. And then I have two people one was one of my clients and one was my niece who I recommended the book to and came back and said, I said, in my daily affirmations, now I'm writing, my life is dope. I said, me too. <laughs> it was fun. So anyway, it's a fun little book, but my clients have really, everybody that I uh, suggest that to has really glommed onto it and got something okay. useful. Talking about affirmations, it brought me back to Wayne Dyer. I had heard him say one time, you know, if you wrote your affirmations and put them by like your alarm clock, when you first look at it, you're kind of in that in-between awake and asleep. So you're in that theta brainwave. And so there's no rejection. So you actually, in that moment, when you first see that affirmation, you're actually receiving it. I just thought that was so amazing. And it's something that stuck with me. And I always suggest I'm fascinated with the mind, the subconscious mind and the consciousness. And I feel like a lot of times you know, getting to really know truly how your brain works, how the thoughts work when we're present with ourselves. I mean, just, and we're so busy, you know, when you just stay on that mm-hmm. fast chat, it is hard to be a mother raising lots of children or even just one or even none, you know, we keep ourselves very busy in the world. Yeah, we certainly do. I used to say, if you can't, you have to be a mother, you have to learn how to talk on the phone, hold the child on your hip and stir the <laughs> soup all at the same time. The mindfulness thing is being able to think one thing at a time, do one thing at a time. Then you got to go back and unlearn all of that so that you, but you, you almost do that for survival. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I became such a good, well, half-ass multitasker, I would say. (laughs) Yeah. Recovering. Have you heard of uh, Dr. Carolyn Leaf? Have you read anything by her? Uh -uh. You're fascinated about how the mind works. I listened to her speak at a leadership conference in Florida last spring and it was just like, I was just blown away by her understanding and depth, whole new level of understanding the brain and, and how it relates to mindfulness. Her, she has a book called, mm-hmm. I also recommend, and everybody does, it's more work, way more work than the other one. You have to read this one because it's too uh-huh. difficult to listen to, but it's called uh, Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess by oh, Dr. I've Carolyn Leaf. Heard that. Super good. And there's the mindfulness part in there, but She's done studies and she'll show, she was at this demonstration, she held up this plastic tree short, you know, like tree in a pot. And she said, this literally looks like your thoughts in your brain when they're healthy. And then she had this old withered, ugly one. This is what they look like literally in your brain. So in the book, she shows you pictures Mm. of the brain waves and the different things and just the science. So what she's doing is she's combining the science and mindfulness and they're just Mm. like, it's super fascinating. I call that mess um, clusterfuck in my brain (laughs) is what I call it. (laughs) 
Uh, you may remember Wayne Dyer saying this, but he said, well, let me first back up and say this. When people feel stuck, we all know that being stuck is miserable. Unhappy is stuck, right? I'm yeah. stuck. Or usually we're not stuck, we're backsliding. And we're miserable and we're unhappy. And we know that this is true of being stuck or being backsliding because there is no stuck. There's forward or backward, right? Uh, but we think we're stuck. The opposite is also true. We are happier when we're moving forward. And everybody longs to be happy. I'm getting the Wayne Dyer thing here. That's is, I mean, any religionist, any philosopher, any thinker of any kind has come to the conclusion that the number one thing as humans that we want is to be happy. Even when we do things that will make us unhappy, we do them thinking somehow this time it will make me happy. Whether mm -hmm. it's a bad relationship or, or eating chips and watching binging on Netflix at the moment, we think maybe this will make us happy, right? We do everything because we think it'll make us happy in the long mm -hmm. run. So now to Wayne Dyer, and I'm not saying he's right or wrong, but he said that we long for peace more than happiness. Mm. My thinking is that this almost the same thing. I mean, they're they're so closely intertwined that it's, it's splitting yeah. hairs. And then if I just just say this one thing for anybody listening, because I, one thing I know about people is they can listen to a conversation like we're having, and I think people think I'm so far from that. I will never get there. I've got to get to where Shannon is. I'm way over <laughs> here with all this anxiety and beating myself up, and I want to be like Shannon. I just can't get there. So far from mm -hmm. me that all you have to do is make little steps towards what you want, mm -hmm. little steps forward and the happiness comes and the peace comes. You don't have to get where Shannon's at in her journey to have the happiness that Shannon has, right? And then they, and those steps multiply and they start uh, building really rapidly. So if, if anybody's listening to this podcast that feels like they're stuck, I would just say, pick something. It doesn't have to be meditation, just pick something. It might be brushing your teeth, who knows? I've had clients <laughs> when started right that, that far. Pick a daily thing that you can do every day and just start moving forward in it. And then when you've got that down, kind of feel comfortable, move at another thing and you'll be amazed because if happiness didn't come till we arrived, none of us would be happy because guess what? Nobody arrives. You haven't arrived. I've not arrived. I've been at it longer than you and I've not arrived. And we're not going to meet this potential that we have in this life. So when they say it sounds trite and it's been said a million times, but really, truly happiness is in the journey towards mm -hmm. our potential. Uh, now, do we do have to be moving forward towards our potential. We can't do a journey that takes us down a bad road and expect happiness out of it. Um, but if we're moving forward to what we, what our potential is, the amount of happiness unlimited, and it's, it can't be shaken. This is real true, inside out happiness. When you said what Wayne Dyer had said, you know, what does happiness look like for me? Well, happiness looks peaceful. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, certainly. That's why you can't hardly argue with him, right? Right. It feels very peaceful, peaceful when you think about it. Like there's a stillness and a and a freedom from yes. things, right? Freedom and from all that garbage yeah. out there. What would you say is reaching that infinite potential then? If we can't even reach it here, what is the finish line? <laughs> the, the, what is the infinite potential? Yeah. Well, there's lots of ways that it's been expressed. We're not going to reach it in this life. We're not going to. I would say from my perspective and from my language in my world, I would say it is to be gods ourselves at some point in the ever right. far distant. So um, like to evolve like to the point that we are, and it says, you know, in the in the New Testament, you've been called God by God gods. You've been yeah. it called you gods or whatever. They should be gods. Right. I think this is a, a truth. However, yep. I don't know exactly what that looks like. Yeah, <laughs> I, right. I, I, nobody does. But when you think about, like, we, we taught smart goals forever. A lot of people did. I didn't. But 
people taught SMART goals. I do not teach SMART goals. It's not a good way to live because it yeah. brings down your goals to something very ungodlike mm -hmm. <laughs> or very unprogressive. Like they have to be so little to be a SMART yeah. goal. Right. If you think about what do you ultimately want in any area financially, you can't really almost describe it, right? I want freedom. It's not a dollar amount. I want this, but you, you know what it feels like. But to actually describe it to somebody else is very difficult. Even our fitness level. I want to be, I know what it feels like. I want mm -hmm. to be lean and I want to be strong. But I can't really describe to you in detail what that will really look like. Any of the eight areas that I teach, yeah. your character, what kind of a character, what kind of an integrity do you want to have? Right. I know what I feel it, but I can't quite describe it to you. I want to be honest, of course. I want everything that come out of my mouth to be actually as it is. It's really hard to define. So though my point is, those are infinite goals. They can't be tied down. That's our big goal. Now we've set little goals between here and there, ideally in 90-day increments for the most part. 90 days, for 90 days, I'm going to do this thing. That's going to get me a little bit, just a little bit closer. And at the end of those 90 days, I'm going to regroup maybe continue with the same thing, maybe change it, say it's a workout. I'm going to work out for 45 minutes, four times a week for 90 days to get me to this fitness goal that I want. My business was a fitness business. So I use a lot of analogies for it. So then at the end of 90 days, I might say, you know, rather than do this little doodaddy thing I'm doing around at the gym, I'm going to actually take these classes and I'm going to do it five days a week for the next 90 days. Mm -hmm. At the end of that 90 days, I might say, you know, I think I'm going to incorporate one day of yoga and four days of, you see what I'm saying? We're going to, it's going to, that 90 day goal will evolve. It won't be the same for forever, but every 90 days we regroup, we still have the habit of working out. We change it up. And whether it's a spiritual thing, maybe my, I'm going to start with mindfulness and I'm going to start with 10 minutes, maybe start with five minutes of mindfulness. And then the next 90 days, I'm going to regroup and, or maybe I'll try a different kind of meditation the next yeah. 90 days, but the habit stays the meditation right. space and if I keep meditating every day for the rest of my life in some form I'm going to get closer to my spirituality goal mm -hmm. if I work out five or six days a week for the rest of my life I'm going to get I'm going to eat a certain way the rest of my life I'm going to have these goals I'm going to change them up but they're going to be the habit that's going to remain does that make sense it totally makes sense in fact it reminds me of I was in this boot camp and Randy Spelling um, was doing a talk and he said you know, it's really hard if your finish line, you know, is way out here, like make small ones. So I was thinking about that when you were talking, I saw a finish line at the end of the day for maybe, you know, your meditation and whatever you had to do or for the week for this and, and just keep moving your finish lines up a little mm -hmm. bit. You know, it, when you think that it's such a long road, you do get exhausted because you're trying to meet these conditioned you know, um, outcomes that are actually not yours. <laughs> you yeah, know? that's going back to what I said to these people who are, might look at you and say, I want to be like her. Yeah. It seems too difficult. All you have are little steps. Nobody, nobody can get to anywhere except little steps. That's all there is. Now you can take them a little more rapidly, maybe, or a little mm -hmm. slower, but you only have little steps. And especially with our social media world and where we have instant gratification is sort of a thing. We just think, and it sounds like people are just, I was over here, now I'm all the way over there. That you don't see the steps that people are actually taking for real yeah. change. If somebody changes very fast, it's not a real, I've never seen it. 
If somebody mm-hmm. changes really fast in some direction, they still have right. to go back and do the back work. It, there's like no other way. Diets. <laughs> yeah, like, diets it's like a diet, right? Pounds quick. Yeah. <laughs> or now I, I see on Facebook that you can buy these pills and you can lose all of your belly fat in two yeah, weeks. Right. So that would be. The- <laughs> So we all know that, that won't work. I wedding once. <laughs> I did fit in this dress. I did. It worked. That's not real change, that is it? The ne- that no, night, I put it back on. <laughs> and you're always going to put it back on because it wasn't real change. That's the problem right. with the diet. There's right. no real change. Yeah. You did a thing for 12 weeks, but you didn't change. And so we don't want to do a diet in life. We want no. to do it this steady every People day. People are afraid so. to change. Afraid of change. It's the one thing that hit me over the past, you know, that change put me in fear, you know, you know, oh my God, I don't want to have to change, you know, everything's going good. I don't want to bump in the road, but you know, I think of that. I've never, ever looked back and said, God, I wish that didn't change in my life. You know, (laughs) no, it was part of the metamorphosis of who I am. And, you know, I've learned to um, not stay in the suffering, but, you know, appreciate those boulders that came at me when I was hanging on the cliff. <laughs> I know I'm on a roll with this, but Ryan Holiday has a book. It's my third book recommendation. I should get a kickback. I know. Um, <laughs> Ryan Holiday has a book called, I love all his books. Yeah. And he has a book called Obstacles Away. But it's, and this is actually uh, scripturally and philosophically a truth that's been taught by all of the great teachers from Buddha mm-hmm. to Jesus to everybody. But, but it's the things that, it's the obstacle is the way it's the bumps in the road that get us really where we want to go without any bumps like somebody said i can't remember it was if you find a road without any bumps in it well with any obstacles i mean how they word it it probably doesn't go anywhere right it's the actual it's not only is it do we have to they're required to make progress the bumps are because that's when we really grow the most slow ride take it easy <laughs> <You know? laughs> Because really, if you go slow through life and you're present and aware, then you have options when you get to a bump in the road, rather yeah. than going steam ahead, not paying attention mm-hmm. and end up with your car jacked up. <laughs> and it's an old quote, is a, I, I think it's Victor Frankl, and he said, between stimulus and response, there's a space, and then that space is our power to choose. Yes. Well, what does mindfulness give you? Mm-hmm. It gives you the power, that space between impulse between a stimulus an impulse and the decision that we make mindfulness gives it that space so it buys us a lot of time and saves us a lot of grief which gets us down the road faster so is it taking it easy well that taking it easy attitude not being stressed because nothing you know those days when you like you've got you're really rushing you got so many things to do and then you keep making mistakes and it's really a true thing right yeah. and then it ends up being not a productive day and yeah. you feel stressed right. but if you take it with a little bit of mindfulness it seems mm-hmm. like you're wasting time, but you make better choices. And that's like a daily thing, but it's also a whole life thing. My thing that I teach is in day now is intentional living. I don't use that phrase very often, but intentionally planning my life. So I've got a plan. So the decision's mm-hmm. already made and I already know where I'm trying to go. And of course that saves you a ton of grief too. But what happens when the plan falls through? Oh, they always fall through. <laughs> that's, that's actually, it was <laughs> interesting. <laughs> Anybody who does any daily their day plan their days just does a day planning of any kind knows you have yeah, a plan A. Give yourself grace. And then it it never happens. But if you don't have a plan, you have a really horrible day, right? So if you have to have you have to have the plan has to be in place, but you have to have a plan and you try to follow it, but right. the plan is not going to go the way you yeah. think it is. Okay. It never so it's does. the same as what we said about the infinite potential. You might not. You're not going to get that. Maybe you're not going to get that. Yeah. But by but by planning, you go somewhere. 
Right. It's just like if you plan your day, you're going to have a better day, even if you plan it with plan B or C. If you plan your life, it, you life will take you its own way. Mm -hmm. But you're going to have a, going to get a lot farther down the road and have a lot more of what you want by making a plan, even if you end up having a different plan. One of the things that I go back to 90 days, one of the things that's beautiful about 90 days, and, and even in business, they're teaching this, what used to be like, have a five-year plan. Now businesses yeah. are like, have a 90-day plan. Right. And I think that yeah. EOS thing is really popular. My husband's been reading it too, but I think that's really set up on a 90-day plan. It's really yeah. hard for life to send you very far off course in 90 days. So I can right. say for 90 days, I can't commit to this for five years. I don't know if I can, what I can do in five years. But 90 days I, rate is reasonable. Yeah, the last three businesses I've owned, which have been two coaching and one fitness, I made these screen available. They're simple. They're on my website, lifemasterinfo.com. And they're a tracking sheet. I call tracking sheet. It's a chart, basically. I started in my 20s because I was so undisciplined. It was pathetic. I need these tools. So I do have to rely on these kind of things. Everybody that I teach this to, that I've taught this to, that I know of, that I've stayed in contact with, still uses this, at least at some degree. Can I, I've been using this for system, a system like this, or this one, for 40 years. And if I could just point to one thing that uh -huh. made, made, got me the farthest down the road for actual end results is this this is just a little piece from the book okay, okay. The show um, oh, yeah. this is my this is an actual copy of my, one of my tracking sheets i put in the book but what okay. you do is you put the things you want to do every day down here okay and then the days of the week across the top this is so simple it's like a child's work chart right 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 and then I put the things i want to do it's like it it's like a ready to do list for the personal development so okay. then i have like i have on my I, i'm right now tracking 14 things i just happen to count them so uh, don't start with 14, start with three. <laughs> I've been doing it for 40 years, like I said, so uh, more than that. So like my first habit I wanted to develop when I was young and married is I wanted to pray in the mornings. I just felt like my days would go better if I would yeah. pray every morning. And I wanted to write in a journal and I wanted to read. I wanted to do a devotional reading. So those were my first three habits, which I still do to this day. And then I wanted reading. I wanted to work daily workout. And that's one of the first things I teach my clients to use a tracking sheet. You can use a tracking sheet effectively. You won't get blown off course of your goals. In mm -hmm. fact, when I speak, one of my favorite topics that I get to choose is why systems are more important than goals. Because mm -hmm. you have a system. I really believe New Year's resolutions are a real thing. I think people are sincere. We laugh about them, but I think they're sincere. Right. The problem is they don't have a system. And so they forget the kids get sick and you know they have to go into work early and pretty soon you forgot about the workout. And then you, oh, what happened to my workouts, right? You didn't have a good system. This tracking sheet is one of two systems I teach, other ones written affirmations that are just the bomb for making things happen in your life. And you just, if you do it, you get a check. If it's not required that day, like I don't work out on Sundays, for example, or I only wanted to write in my, write my book five days a week. So I got a couple authors right now. That you want to create a new habit to do. Yeah. And so and then you're accountable. And your brain and your ego hates that blank spot. You will hate that blank spot if you don't get it done so right. bad and, and i'll do it and my clients always come back and report this too i did mm -hmm. i wanted to get my check mark i wanted my check mark yeah. and so you'll stay up late to get that check mark and get that thing done we have no problem doing the bad habits <laughs> <laughs> they're the they're the path of least resistance so you know <laughs> take that bad habit and you replace it with a good one well that is there's a lot of truth to that look for example sugar is going to kill you i mean we just got to get sugar out of your diet we all know this people are addicted to it it's an addiction problem yeah. it's as addictive as any drug right. and that's why making people fat sick and unhealthy one of right. 
and, and it's in every processed food. Just you can only find a processed food without it. Okay, mm -hmm. so but whether we're used to it or we, and we may be biological in us in our DNA that we like something sweet, especially after we eat. Okay, so if I just cut the sugar out, it's going to feel I'm going to feel deprived. Mm -hmm. But if I have a thing I can replace it with that I love, mm -hmm. then I don't feel deprived. I eat a lot of very, very dark chocolate, like 85% mm -hmm. cocoa. That's what I, because I do have that yeah, right, desire right. for something sweet afterwards. My insulin response won't hurt my weight. You got to have a plan. You got to have a plan. Another thing we mm -hmm. keep in our freezer are frozen berries. And I keep canned whipped cream. Yeah, and there's a little I bit of sugar in that, but they're mostly air. And then that canned whip with some whipped cream on those blueberries, that I'll eat. So you decide what you're going to eat instead of those things and you stick to that thing rather than just ripping it out of your life. Right. And with time, the desire for it will go down. When I first quit eating sugar, which was embarrassing or not as long ago as it should have been, I was 50. I was eating teaspoons of peanut butter with honey on it because <laughs> yeah. honey doesn't do that. Weirdly enough, honey does yeah. not seem to be perpetuate your desire for sweetness. So I was doing that. My daughter came in. She said, mom, do you have any calories that is? Like, I don't care how many calories it is. Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting this out. Isn't about calories right <laughs> I don't now. do that anymore. But for, for a few months, that was my thing, you know. Yeah. So, wow. so you replace that thing if, right. when possible. Some things should just be rooted out. You should just not do some things. You think about the habits. I mean, like, of course, everyone gets up and brushes their teeth. You know, get up. I get my coffee. I have all of these things that are ritual in my life. They're rituals, right? I do meditate as well. And if I don't have one of those things, I feel like I'm cheated. I mean, I'm upset. I didn't get this time to meditate or I didn't get my coffee. I remember one morning I was trying to like wake up peaceful and I go downstairs and I see uh, brick. The dogs have brick. One of the dogs had diarrhea. I'm like, great. <laughs> and then I go to get my coffee. Hmm, we're out of coffee. Someone drank the last coffee. I'm the, yeah, I, you know, I'm just like, okay breathe you know <laughs> then I get you know it was really funny it was actually it was the worst morning ever and I just you know you make that choice if you're able to find a moment you can make a choice because that day was crazy it was like the second day of school my son misses no I don't know if he missed the bus or something it was so bad that morning and then I was late because I had to bring him to school because he missed the bus. That's what it was. So I had to bring my daughter up to the school and I wasn't planning on it. I'm in my pajamas, no bra. And then when I got back in the car, I realized I had two pairs of glasses on, one on my head and one on my <laughs> face. And this is how I showed up at my kid's school. <laughs> it was a bad morning. But I remember this morning because it was a morning that I chose to say, you know what? I'm not going to let this be my day. Yeah. It's only nine o'clock and I choose to turn this all around after I pick up all the shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can make, you know, you to use that space, right? And you made a different choice. And one thing you said that I like too, as you said earlier, you said, do you feel cheated if you don't get certain yeah. things? Some of your daily habits will become like that, right? That right now might feel, I'm not saying you, but people who right. are working on habits. Well, I'll say me. If I... I'm working out. And if I was for some reason not get to work out, this is important to me. And if I didn't, I would not be happy about it. <laughs> and my meditation, you know, I have to do it in the morning. I know because it turns into a nap in the afternoon. This has got to happen first thing. Once in a while, things happen first thing in the morning. And I had a day like that recently where it was by the time I really could have, it was evening. And I just knew it was, it was going to be pointless. 
and I was not happy having missed it. So what might start off as a drudgery mm-hmm. can become something that you learn to love because you, maybe you love it because how it makes you feel. Maybe it's just a habit. I don't know. Maybe it's a lot of things, but what's my reading uh, sometimes and still sometimes I'm like, oh, I don't want to work out today, you know, but I go anyway. So this is okay. why you need to plan then. And in your plan, you need to ask yourself, what do I want my life to look like? What does my happy look like? What does my peace look like? What do I want? Not what the world says it does, but what makes me happy and peaceful and make a plan. Maybe even do you suggest like writing down these things? Because how do you come up with like 14 habits? I know you said don't try 14 new habits, but you know, how do you get there? Because first of all, you have to drop all the conditions of the world because just because your neighbors have all these things and they say they're happy doesn't mean you will be. Well, I start with when I'm working with clients, we already know what we want ultimately reading their stuff and think about it. The nice thing about being human is we can just, we can imagine and use our imagination and feel. I can look ahead and say, if my life was like this, how would that feel? And so I can do a visualization with clients, but also, this is a copy of Life Mastery. Looks like this by Sherry yeah. Jennifer Fernandez. On the back, this is me. This yes. is me. It's only not a very old picture, but I'm going to put a new one on it because I, I want my hair to go gray. Uh, but that's another subject. But there's eight areas. So I'd ask myself, what do I want my physical self to be like? Yeah. Long term, and where can I start today? Mm-hmm. What do I want my spirituality like? And what one thing could I do today, right now? What habit could I develop now? So what yes. habit could I develop physically mm-hmm. that would get me there eventually? I know it's going to be a long time, but whatever. I've got the rest of my life, yeah. right? If I, what thing if I did it every day? Okay, well, I might work out. I might give up sugar. I probably should do both. Spiritual. What one thing could I do? Maybe it maybe it'd be prayer. Maybe it'd be devotional reading. Maybe it would be whatever. It could be a meditation every day. I'm going to go for a meditation walk, maybe. What yeah. can I do spiritually every day for the next 90 days? that will get me to that spiritual point. Relationships, what can I do in my relationships for the next 90 days that's gonna get me that kind of relationship I want? Education, money, vocation, right. lifestyle. What can I do for the next 90 days that would improve my daily lifestyle and my character? What one little change could I make? Could I be just, what could I commit to? Yeah. Now, not everything will fit on your tracking sheet. Right. So that's why I teach daily written affirmations. Like maybe on my character, I want to everything I say about my mouth to be totally true. That's a really hard thing to find if it's if you've done that or not. So anything that's not definable, that doesn't fit the SMART criteria, for example, in the 90 days, only used for the 90 days, then I put that in my affirmations. Then I would say, everything I say is exactly as it is. That might be my affirmation. Uh, maybe I want to respond more kindly to criticism. On your tracking sheet, I wrote my affirmations. These are daily written affirmations. So now I track my affirmations every day too. Yeah. So you could do the same. You like to put yours by your bedside and read. I would still suggest you write those besides that, by the way. But then you could bet I reviewed my affirmations before I went to sleep and you put that on your tracking sheet. So you never forgot. Interesting thing. Clients will come into me and they'll say, I'll say, well, what habits do you want? Well, I'd like to work out. How much do you work out now? I work out probably three or four days a week. Then they'll, so I'll sign them the tracking sheet. And they'll come back and say, you know, I was probably only working that one or two days a week. (laughs) We're kidding ourselves about how much we Hmm. really do. I do this pretty much every day. Well, when you start tracking it on that tracking sheet, you will be surprised that a lot of things you think you do. I'm not saying you. Then you're not making change, right? If you're not making the change, then you're wondering why why is nothing happening? 
well, nothing's happening, honey, because you're not really working out five days a week, right? This is temporary. Yes. So then we track these habits. And if you know, if you know that you're working out, it's going to get you, I want more muscle and better cardio. I know if I work out every day, I'm going to have that bite. I don't have to, yeah. I don't have to debate it. I just mm-hmm. know this will get me there. I don't have to have a time frame, a diet, a 12 right. weeks. I'm just going to do this every day for the rest mm-hmm. of my life. You don't have some short term goal that says I need to just lose 10 pounds because that actually there's an ending to that because right. once you yes. lose it or you're not going to do it anymore and you'll probably lose your 10 pounds and then in 10 days you'll start gaining it back because it's you, not you, a- your goal is only to lose it diets are so damaging in so many ways I can't even tell I could go on forever it's about a mental right it's a mental thing this yes. is what I hate most of all about diets and this could be applied to anything that you do in a temporary form but dieting is the is the ubiquitous, ubiquitous one. It's a heartache that comes and the disappointment. You go on this mm-hmm. diet, you lose this yeah. weight. Most diets work. I mean, they do work. If you do them, they'll work. And you lose this weight and you're like, oh, I feel so good and so proud of myself. But you didn't change. Mm-hmm. And then the weight's going to come back on. And you probably didn't work out. So you probably lost a ton of muscle. So now your metabolism is lower. And you think it's your fault that you gained the weight back. You think, oh, I'm just weak because I gained that weight back. I'm telling you from experience, I didn't get this under control very, or it took me a, a lot of ups and downs for me to get this under control. You think I'm weak. I had this, I did, I lost all that weight. And then look at me. It's yeah. not your fault. This was biological. This is a while uh, later, you try another one. In order to evolve, right? To get to that infinite potential requires real change, a life change, right? Mm-hmm. The life mastery is actually accepting that you're going to change and morph and evolve through it all and that requires a life change not a a temporary and but remember this is little steps okay i'm not going to lose 20 pounds in 20 days or in 40 days or probably i'm not going to lose a lot of weight fast if i do these things although i have a client that just gave up flour and sugars i suggest people do they want to lose weight lost 18 pounds in three months just by the way yeah no flour no sugar that's the key that's the key there by the way that's the thing right like if we could mentally accept why it's not good for our body rather than just the weight part because the weight part is so connected to i'm not comfortable with myself yeah i'm not good enough yeah. truly and no see fine i'll turn down i turn down desserts i'm probably time because I, i'm not saying i would never eat dessert at this point in my life i could eat one if i chose i mostly always choose no but the one of the reasons we're like, oh, you're so good. Like, mm-hmm. it's not a discipline for me. I know yeah. what happens to my body. I got the science behind it. I know both from my experience and scientifically what is yeah. going on when I eat that sugar. So yeah. it's not very difficult. Plus, I know I feel. Wow, this is amazing. This sounds so great. No wonder why it has been so successful. Best-selling book because it sounds like the way you've explained it, anyways. Is something I think that a lot of people can understand and receive. Because that's sometimes, you know, the thing when you're talking about some of the self-help books and all that stuff, they'll just confuse the shit out of you because <laughs> there's like all these different steps and am I doing it right and this and that. But this is more of your personal, this is going inwards for you. This isn't, you're not telling people how to be. You're telling people to trust themselves, really. Yeah, you know, one of the couple of things I'm really proud about about my, the book is that were important to me. One is that I didn't teach anything that I didn't know to be true by my own experience and having taught it to other people. 
lots and lots of other people successfully. Yeah, that was right. one thing. So a lot of book books are written and they've done research to prove a point. I didn't even feel the necessity. Although I think I do quote a few things in there, but I didn't feel the necessity. I already knew them to be true. And yeah. so you'll just have to accept it. But I've taught it yeah. and I've seen it. And plus it's, it speaks to you. You know, it's authentic when you read it. You just know it's true. The other thing is that I give you something to do. That was a problem I had with all my early reading is I'd say, okay, I'm motivated, but tell me where to start. I give you yeah. a starting point. And that's really the tracking sheets. Start here, start with a daily habit and mm. write your daily affirmations. That would be the second one. Keep a list of all things you want to accomplish in 90 days. That would be the third one. So I teach those three things. I got a few other tools in there too for different things, but I give you something to do because while I was highly motivated, I was not trained at all. And when right. you motivate somebody and you don't train them, you just leave them more frustrated, yeah. right? So I'm really proud about those two things. I never planned to write a book. It never was on my to-do list, <laughs> but I did. And I think it's been really well received and I'm pretty proud of it. So, well, thank you for writing. I think it's beautiful. And, you know, I think that as we get older, we just get wiser. So I think that <laughs> you did a good thing at your age, right? I mean, <laughs> just, I think a blessing to us younger people, so. Not much younger. It was, was it was enchanted. The one thing you can know for sure is there was no ego in it. I wasn't trying to set up. I wasn't trying to build a career on it. Yeah. I didn't need that. I didn't need yeah. the money. I could do right what I wanted to write without having to worry about how it sold. Yeah, you wanted to help other people. And one of the thoughts it. was, and growing older doesn't necessarily mean you're getting wiser. You could get dumber. <laughs> oh, yeah. But I did have feel like I had a, all this knowledge that I wanted to leave. You know, and I'm only working with. I mean, I still, I value my freedom. We travel, really travel a lot. And so I work with a limited number of clients. So I just have this handful of clients that I work with. I think this rate, they're really good to share what they're learning to their people, but still at that rate, it's going to be a slow go. So if I could share, I've worked, I've worked my whole life, reading, learning, studying, practicing. Yeah. I wanted to be able to leave, leave what I've learned. Yeah. yeah. You know, I thought a lot about that lately because I, you know, I've been studying the Gnostic Gospels and looking at scripture and stuff and, and thinking this is what they left behind their wisdom that they left behind and you know i think that as an evolving changing soul that trying to reach your infinite potential what are you going to leave behind so you're helping the younger generations that's part i think of is that what we should do for the collective when you find your gift you give it away yeah so true is that you have an obligation. If you've learned something, you may not want to write a book. Maybe it's not for everybody. But still, once you've learned something and yeah. practiced it and you know it to be true of yourself and your practice, you really owe it to the world to teach other people. Right. And I tell my clients that I still write at the beginning. You are going to learn a lot of stuff here. And you have an obligation as you learn it and prove it to be true yeah. to share it. And they do it anyway. But this is the obligation. You, we have an obligation to share what we know. And uh, the faster we learn, the more we need to share. And that's just, yes. that's how we, if we don't, we're just a suck on the planet. And it comes natural though. I think when you do know something really well, my husband is a business genius. He's writing a book on business too. So it'll be great, but wow. he spreads, he helps other people. Yeah. He doesn't care what business they're in. They could be competing with him. I'm sure he wouldn't mind. He would still help them in their business because that's what we do. Good karma. So do you still coach? I do workshops. So I like to prefer the workshops. I do speak. Yeah. I do speak. I do like the workshops because I've got enough things that I'd like to see people actually do, but I still do quite a bit of speaking. I do coaching, but uh, mostly right now I'm promoting the book because I've, I've got a, I have my own goal. 
I'm going to promote the book until July, and then I'm going to give it a rest and work on my speaking and teaching. But I'm still doing those things. Workshops. I do love workshops, and I work doing in businesses or in personal groups, clubs, all kinds of things in different hours. I don't have a one set. I usually tailor it to do. What's the pine cone it's, of your book? It's a, it's a redwood cone, actually, which you wouldn't know until you got into a, a very big pine cone, which oh. could, because of the potential of a redwood. And the, if you've ever been to the redwoods, have you been to the redwoods, Shannon? Yeah, the, my the brother giant redwoods. He went to college in Monterey and we went driving around and yeah. So Crazy. those buildings, like you know, I live in Boise, Idaho, and we've got a fairly good 17-story building. My husband tells me he grew up over there in the redwoods, and I've been there a lot. But he tells me that that's, I've no spatial building, <laughs> but that the redwoods, there are redwoods that are three times the height of that building, that 17-story building. They're just phenomenal. You stand below them, they're just like, if you stand below them and look up and just con contemplate it, they have their own ecosystem at the top. It's crazy. They're so high up there. So uh, people are like that. But, but the pine cones are really this big. The, the redwood coniferous cones are like oh, an inch tall. Oh, I didn't so, so here's these, the tiniest of cones is the biggest oh, of trees. And so I like the analogy to human potential. I was listening to um, Joe Dispenza's book on becoming supernatural. Mm -hmm. He was just talking about how the heart works. And then he said, and then this is where physics kicks in. And I just had this thought, I think all of the sciences, people say follow the science. The science has changed so much since I was a girl, right? You can't really do yeah. that. But the sciences, spirituality, all that thing is getting close. They're all getting closer to go. There's not mm -hmm. going to be this science, the discology and thisology and thisology. Yeah. They're all just blending together with spirituality to be one whole. Yes. And all the spiritual and, uh, and all the religions are too. In, in many and the religions ways. too. I'm very committed to my religion. But what I've acknowledged and realized is that true seekers of spirituality, of truth, all end up at the same place. We think, oh, this, these people believe this. I've heard Catholic, well-known Catholic priests mm -hmm. teach doctrines that are not Catholic that I believe to be true. Right. Because when people, when people are really seeking truth, they're all going to end up at the same place. It's just because yeah. right. there's truth, and that's all there is. So true. There's a lot of believe thinkers right now, and I'm finding this even in my own church, that meditation, which is not an Eastern practice, by the way. Meditation is in, around since the beginning of time meditation yes. but there's a lot of people who moving that direction and believe that it's it's a movement and wouldn't that yeah. be awesome wouldn't that change the world i think so it certainly would and i think that one of the most beautiful things that i've seen in today's time is that we have the space to be this and do this the opportunities and you know to be successful and heard in ways that you know all morning i am doing i have a side podcast and right now i'm working on an episode of, of mary magdalene and just you know her story is so powerful for women today she was one of jesus's greatest apostles they talk about the divine feminine rising she's the perfect example of that from someone who was just put aside and, and falsely accused and, you know, for thousands of years. And now, you know, we know. So I'm doing a lot of research on it in, in the church in 2016. Uh, Pope Francis says that he changed her Memorial Day to a feast. And now she is known as the Apostle of the Apostles. And awesome. yeah, and you know, I just, I'm like, Good for her. You know, Jesus didn't go and tell Peter, who denied him three times, <laughs> first, you know, he went to her. She's obviously yeah. special. And she's a woman. And that was unheard of. Her testimony was cast aside and not even legal, I think. So, you know, we should see her for who she is 
And so I think that, you know, now is the time for women and for all that have been set aside, you know, to rise and be who they truly are. Yeah, well, certainly we certainly have the opportunity and the, by we, I mean, all people, we have more, like you said, more time and freedom. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's a gift. And I think it can lead to either a waste of debauchery and a waste of our lives, or it can lead to more time for yeah. personal development and time to think and more thinking time, which is right. the ancients. Some of the ancients had that time. Then life got hard. <laughs> right. A lot of poverty and we had to feed ourselves. But as long as you have some tools, right? <laughs> yeah. Get into your toolbox. Tools, that's true. It's just, uh, yeah. so, and there's so much availability of knowledge but then of course there's so much availability of false knowledge so you just have to learn to yeah. do that discerning thing too but true yeah that's actually my biggest message is discernment so tell everybody where they can find your book the book is life mastery it's all available on audible amazon there's a workbook for setting goals it looks the same has the same design more or less as the front life mastery okay. it's got okay. track with tons of tracking sheets in awesome um, it's got all the instructions on how to apply the things i teach it's got a space to write all the things I teach in the okay. book. That's the workbook. And then I have a day planner, which is like a regular day planner, to-do list, calendar of your events, that. And then there's a place every day to write affirmations. And then there's a place for the monthly tracking sheet in it. That's awesome. And now it's time for Break That Shit Down. People are wanting rights for who that group that they belong to or they, they don't like the political system or they want whatever change you want in the world or whatever change you want in your relationships and the people around you there's one way that you can make a change and that's that you change it it's actually the only way you want to make a change in the world you work on yourself yeah that's what Mark Cotton Gandhi said when he said be the change you wish to be in the world it's the only real way you can do you can do marches till the cows come home but when you change you it has a ripple effect and it changes the world and mm -hmm. so you want to make the world different go to work on you first that is so wise i feel like i've been a student well thank you for having me it's been a delightful conversation thank you so much thanks for being with us today we hope you will come back next week if you like what you hear don't forget to rate like and subscribe thank you we rise to lift you up thanks for listening